0: Oh, and welcome to another episode of the Identities Podcast. Uh, today we have a very special guest. And yes, everybody is a very special guest. You've, you've caught on by now. Uh, but actually, Chris is a very special guest. Um, he is the sound of the Identities Podcast. He is the identity of the Identities Podcast. Because he is, before you even hear me, actually, you hear Chris. Because Chris is the, the guy who has done our theme music. Um, he was probably going to be doing some interstitial music at some point if he could get off his lazy ass and actually do it. Um, but Chris is, without, without Chris's production, I don't think I would have ever been confident enough to, to package this as a show. Because quite honestly, without Chris's production, it's just me uh, just talking out of nowhere. And that's not really the best thing when you're, when you're doing a podcast that you, you got hosted in the, the all revered iTunes store.
1: So Chris, thank you so much for. You should be like um, NSF Dub because Clay just sucked me off there. Yeah, really well, it was. <laughs> it was <laughs> look, I, I'm in. I'm in the business of flattering. let's, yeah. let's No, let's, but thank uh, you. I appreciate it. Um, it was it was no trouble of mine because uh, I think I made that song back when Clay and I were looking to create a band called Numbers and Pounds before yeah. hashtag was a thing. Way before hashtag yes, was a thing. Yes, teenagers. Yeah numbers and pounds is also a hashtag it has very many but shout
0: out to the millennials anyways because you know you probably was consuming this hot content so uh, exactly and you and you took our
1: our idea way further than we did yeah literally (laughs)
0: literally a conversation that chris and i had when coming up with our band that never happened really uh was we we took the hashtag symbol and because it was before the hashtag symbol was the hashtag symbol, we looked at that symbol and said, "Okay, you know what's really cool about this symbol? It, it represents two different things. It represents numbers, and then it represents like the, the pound, pound sign, sign on a phone. And it it could never represent anything else. So this is perfect. <laughs> this is the perfect symbol yeah. to to base a kind of conceptual band around. Yeah. And much like the band, it changed, and we didn't do it. Yeah. But." Chris did, and I'm very happy that yeah, you uh, stayed progressive. Stayed in the music progressive. Scene, yeah. Well, okay, so that's actually a really good um, launch point. Mm-hmm. Is so I had Patrick Grant here, um, who you know, yeah, um, a, a little while ago, and one of the things that we actually disagreed about, um, very friendly, um, was the idea of art and whether or not progression was one of the most important if not the single most important um defining characteristics of an artist making art so one of the things that we brought up for example or i brought it up was kanye one of the things kanye always says right is that he is always getting better he's so different he's such a true artist he's oh, always boy. progressing oh, everything boy. and everybody says their last artist or their last album rather was was best. better than yeah. the last one but he really talks about how like he is on the the forefront of, of changing what music and popular culture is
1: in you know what he's not he's not wrong he is getting better like I, I can't knock it he, he went away from <laughs> a very sample heavy style of production um and then keeping the same soul roots and then looking for different outlets of sampling he started using king crimson he started using boni Vare, like whoa like you weren't even using like uh harold melvin samples or like Smokey robinson anymore you were losing using things of this era like things that you're hearing right now and then sampling daft punk like who was doing that no one else is doing that and he he keeps progressing and uh He's not wrong. Whether you like it or not is uh, is really subjective.
0: Right? right. Well. Okay. So there's two things here that I wanted to ask you about as as a, not only a musician but um actually I never give you your full intro. You oh, are. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. from yeah. <laughs> <about> the top. <laughs> no, we're not starting from <laughs> to the top. But it just we. This is the, this Welcome is how, to the Identities Podcast. Yeah, if you've listened to the episode with Pat and you liked it, then welcome to a very similar vein of conversation. Um, Chris is a musician, a producer, a songwriter, a sales associate, yep. and like I said, the sound of this podcast. Um, but as a producer, the two kind of things that I got from that, so I argued with him a little bit on the sense of like, yes, I agree completely, don't get me wrong, progression is important as an artist, but when we were talking about people kind of rehashing, whether it be TV shows, um, mm. kind of doing reboots, or, or like they redid 24, they redid X-Files, they redid Twin Peaks, you know, I argued that as an artist, I'm not talking about what it, what it means to an audience, but as an artist, when you create art, it puts you in a state of vulnerability, Right.
1: Because you're being compared to what is before you? Yeah, well, yeah. just
0: period. I mean, yeah. you're being compared to what is before you. You're putting out ideas and concepts that maybe were so incredibly personal to you, but yeah. you were able to express them in an artistic way, and that resonates with people. Yeah. So what happens is, if you're expected to 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 continue in that kind of cycle of always creating, you often can't, you can't, by definition, you just can't be confident in every single thing you put out is going to touch, touch an audience the way that your, your hit did or your hit tv show or whatever it is that you create yeah. right and so i argued that by doing reboots or whatever sequels or mm-hmm. or or kind of doing co- covers of um or different versions of your songs as an artist that is like just an insecurity that wants to make sure that people still respect your artistry right and you know pat was like well no it's, it's progression is more important and so for you i wonder As a producer, who who, and we're talking about Kanye. This actually is kind of all related in the sense of Kanye. You bring up a great point that I was actually going to bring up is sample base was his used to be his bread and butter, and I've got to say, again, I'm sorry to keep flattering you. I think it still is though. But like you, well, a lot of hip hop still is. But like, I think he's maybe moved a little bit more away from it from like college dropout day. Blood in the leaves, though. Yeah, my God, when
1: he used blood in the leaves, that was really good. But like, but like for you,
0: um, I've never heard somebody that can can work a sample the way that you can work a sample since you know Kanye. now obviously i'm not I'm not, I, I'm not an expert but like for example to completely like pull back the curtain a little bit the identities podcast theme theme song i will not say which one it is oh, because great, i don't want great to get sample. taken down from it's the itunes sample. store but <laughs> it is sample based so identities podcast at yeah. gmail.com if you've got any guesses um yeah we'd love what to hear that your is, guesses because it's it's amazing play, and chris has done it chris has done a great. Yeah, well, chris guys. has done a great job with it right so what do you think about that? What do you think about kind of, you mentioned it yourself, pulling it from what came before you in your kind of artistry? Like where, well, well, where's that line drawn?
1: I don't know. Like I don't know how other people listen to samples or how they, when other producers listen to records, what they're looking for in a sample. I Sometimes I hear a thing like I'll be listening to an Ella Fitzgerald song and the way she holds a note. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I'm just going to use that little bit. I don't know. Like, you could be listening for that, or you could be listening for the whole verse and just be sampling Fever by Elephant Fitzgerald. You're like, oh, cool. That's cool, because everyone knows it, and they can sing along with it, and they get the gist of it. Or you can make something different of it. I always try to make the sample sing something that it didn't sing before. So, like, taking the same sample, Fever, by Elephant Fitzgerald, let's say, and flipping it in a way instead of like playing it front to back and adding your own 808 or 909 drums out everyone's doing in house music now and just putting it on top of like hello by adele Pff, great that's a great remix um sarcasm um you try to make it sound different than it originally did and kind of make it sing its own song play it like an instrument like i play multiple instruments uh i've played drums i played guitar i play guitar i play piano so you kind of make that sample sing a different way than it originally had the melody progressed Uh, that's how I look at samples and then try to add your own other instruments on top like if the song only was piano based then add um, some strings or add some guitar add uh, some organs you know bass line all that I don't know I I, I don't really think about it in the moment you gotta really talk to me when I'm in the moment and make me like what are you trying to do like I don't know so I guess actually that's a really interesting duality that, that you're kind
0: of bringing up is you know sample based artistry kind of has that Best of both worlds, in the sense of you're not necessarily rebooting a song the way that a, a writer or a producer or anybody would re. re yeah, it's not a rehash. Yeah, it's not a rehash like a sequel or a, or a reboot would be. You're actually in the name of progressiveness rebooting something that people already know to make it, or I mean, you don't you don't necess- it doesn't necessarily need to be recognized, but you're it's not it is something that somebody already knows to make it completely something else that it isn't. And you would you say like in the name of progression like yeah it, definitely right? like,
1: like i there's a song i used that uh a lot of people like called uh well i won't even tell you what the song is I, I sampled uh heard it through the grapevine and then when i i sampled it and i added these like this violin melody on top of it and then uh the drums and bass line when i played it for people they're like man this song sounds really cool and i was like yeah it's heard it through the grapevine and they're like no it's not and i was like yeah it is like right that whole idea of playing something that you didn't expect it to be and then right. you listen to it and you hear both both of you, you hear the actual sample and then you hear the song that I made you're like whoa it is how did you do that how did you come up that's progression because you're making taking that same the core idea that Marvin Gaye had and you took it to another level mm-hmm.
0: yeah and in and in a way that only you could have done really because you are not you you're not related to his original artistic objective and yet you have a whole world in front of you of what you might be able to do with Whatever he's done, yeah,
1: right. Well, like, look, if you were Daft Punk, did you think Kanye West would sample your music and make yeah. a friggin' hit single that was better than your hit single? Yeah, like, and, you know what? That's so interesting. <laughs> That's I didn't think point. that would happen.
0: That's such a good point, um, in terms of the progression of artistry. I mean, Daft Punk uh, are amazing, however, I mean, I'm actually wearing a Daft You're Punk a Daft shirt, Punk which is, shirt is very strange right cause I, wow. it's funny that I just said I didn't think about Daft Punk at all, yeah, but really that progression for them i mean when stronger when stronger dropped that was basically all they needed to push them over the edge to just become a popular band again okay like people were listening to their stuff that came out eight nine years previous to when stronger came out and because they were so good they it just it just seamlessly got right back into the zeitgeist of culture people were like yeah
1: def punk cool well, yeah i don't think def punk actually left their culture you found it in like maybe not commercials, but I always felt like it was around. Like there was yeah. a lot of their songs that like that fit the very commercial style base. So maybe it wasn't commercials. I can't really recall. But it always felt like it was around. And then when Kanye used it as his core of his song, you're like, oh, I know that band. Yeah, I remember right. them. Yeah. Right. Um, so to get away from this for a second.
0: So the interesting yeah. thing about you, you're the literally the only person that I've ever met that that has had this kind of career path in terms of your music. When I met you, you were a producer and a rapper oh yeah That's um, totally you know, you're making today, yeah. you're making your own beats you're producing everything and and like i said so good solo, in terms of sample all solo in terms shooting. of like sample based production uh, some of chris's back catalog is, is fantastic just some of it uh, just, and, some, just some of it not and, all of it, and and and, of it. and and writing really good thoughtful lyrics around it around around your life um and then what
1: 5 years ago yeah just about well i'd say six years ago is when i stopped doing hip-hop right and way, so then six
0: years ago you drop the mic but not in the not in the rap battle sense yeah yeah and you pick up the guitar now you've always been a multi-instrumentalist i know I, that already
1: i only actually started playing guitar when i turned 20 and i'm, I'm 29 today as of this recording, and I only started playing guitar when I turned twenty. But
0: I mean, you could play other instruments. Yeah, it's, it's, I played piano yeah. since
1: I was five, and yeah. I, I started playing drums when I was fourteen. Right. So,
0: but but
1: hip hop always still spoke to
0: you the most out of all of that. Oh right? yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then one day you said, "Okay, you know what? This is what I'm doing now." You play in a rock band that just <laughs> recently. Uh,
1: well, we're on hiatus. Is what Oh, we're on hiatus. You know, on, on hiatus. On hiatus. You know our, oh, my bassist is in Switzerland right now. He's just doing his thing. Make some money, buddy. Make some money. Yeah. So why did you do that what was what was it inside
0: of you that said you know what i i'm not this right now i'm um a guitarist the, the, and singer the biggest and songwriter. Word,
1: the biggest word i could use is jaded and um it i was i was jaded towards the hip-hop scene and i think the hip-hop scene was jaded towards me it was a weird time mm-hmm. um the physical aspect of his hip-hop i mean like just the way you dressed, the way you looked um you didn't even have to rap really well. I, I felt like I was going showing up to battles or uh, performances and Clay was there and the person who was winning was the guy who looked the part and not yeah. I don't say I'm not saying I should have won. There was other guys who were there who I thought should have won, but there was the guys who looked the part that won the battles and the competitions. And I was like I was getting kind of sick of it and um and especially since my style of clothing changed, the way I dress changed. Um I was growing up. I was becoming. I was I'm almost thirty now, so I'm I'm starting to become more of a, an adult so i started dressing like an adult and but still having the aggressive style of coming from the lifestyle that i did and still speaking the same stories and talking about the introspective lifestyle and all that stuff but um i became jaded and i think they became jaded towards me because they saw that i was seeing music in a different light i was seeing hip-hop as just this physical thing it wasn't even about the music anymore so Mm -hmm. I, i had to find something where there was substance again i i really it was very difficult for me to find a core group of people or a core group of performers in hip-hop that had substance yeah and that were there to just perform and just love to make music a lot of them were there just to look good and hopefully meet some girls after the show and there's nothing wrong with that but you know if that's your end game then drop the mic and just go to a bar so the cool thing about this the interesting thing about this i should say is like you're right absolutely
0: but that's such a strange juxtaposition on the way that some of those shows went i remember Probably your last it's live Lambadina Lounge. Yeah. That was my last. That was my so last. So it wasn't. So for me, then it was. It was the last one I saw you at. But it was around the same time, I'm sure. Is we went out to the middle of nowhere in a oh in Kipling a, Station. Yeah in, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, in a in a warehouse. Yeah, it was the same. And, it was the same competition though. Yeah. And so all these rappers come in, and admittedly, like you said, a lot of them were very, very good. Now some of them were not very good. Yeah. And some of them were, like you said, looking to maybe meet some girls at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing about the the, the concept of meet some girls at the end of the show is that paints hopefully in your mind a picture of lounges and bottles being popped and and like and like portraying an image velvet ropes and bouncers all over the place let me just say that at this show that chris was at that that these guys were performing in the way that they were literally they had a person at the back serving you screwdrivers and you could heat up hot pocket up in the microwave no, man. for a deep dollar. Patties. There was beef well, deep- patties, yeah, but, but there were also hot <laughs> pockets. I
1: mean, <laughs> it was still a gangster show. Yo, it was still a, hey, a very hip. hop Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Show, yeah. Still very hip hop,
0: but it's yeah. like it's like to, to 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 roll into a literal warehouse in an industrial plaza and like rock the kind of lyrics that these guys were rocking. The, the production levels nowhere near close to you or some of the other people that were also there. And to think that these guys were doing this it, part of me again this is not this is not hate that i'm necessarily no, throwing no, but all. it's like part of me goes like the hip-hop scene like the whole music scene is so grueling that if that's what your identity tells you that you need to be doing mm-hmm. like shit like that's a that's that's a hard grind like that's a bitter pill to swallow you, you know? know the
1: funny thing is i technically lost that competition but i think i in in over time won that competition because i ended up producing an album for one of the guys and yeah i remember that and yeah, producing yeah, yeah. a beat for another guy so like uh in a way like i was glad to make it the this right round. it's the forest and the trees right it's yeah, like well what am i doing I
0: here but then what am i doing in terms of like my all-around yeah i didn't win this career one. i didn't win
1: the war but was it was it you didn't win the battle but you won the war. war that's it yeah yeah
0: yeah so yeah. so what do you think for you from a strictly artistic um standpoint is now being in a in a in a rock band more fulfilling artistically than producing and, and rapping? Or
1: what what do you uh, get more? it's hmm I still I still make every that every now and then I none of, no one's ever heard these songs, but I still make hip hop tracks every now and then. The reason why I prefer to perform in a rock band right now is it's just it's a better Musical conversation, and I mean that if, if there's any other musicians who listen to this, and if you play with other artists or you play with other musicians, when you're a guitarist and you're playing with a drummer and a bassist, or if you're an ba- advice for any any uh, spectrum, it's like a conversation when you're playing with people, you're jamming, and like you play your part and they're playing their part, and you're talking to each other, you're jamming, and you're playing in the key of A minor, and it just all just sounds really cool. It's hard to do the same thing in hip-hop, because hip-hop, which... Oh, I'm gonna go off in of a tangent here. The no, reason it, why yeah. what, the reason why I kind of got away from hip hop on um on a like a spiritual and emotional level is a level is because um I didn't like the fact that everyone tried to be number one. Where mm-hmm. if you think I've played in the rock scene for the last five years now, and no one's ever tried to be number one, everyone's just like, do your best, do your best, yeah, and yeah. do what you can do, mm-hmm. and you get congratulated and you get all the props for doing what you can do and what your band can do where in hip-hop you try to be number one but it's all subjective so like who is number one like i can say my favorite rapper is notorious big and then you can say tupac who's right no one's right that's really true you know what that's really true as somebody
0: who has come and seen your bands and and lots of bands and and lots of different types of shows uh, over the course of my life you're right on a rock bill it's, this is everybody who's performing on this bill show collectively. Yeah. On a hip-hop bill, especially, like, when you're up and coming, and obviously a rap battle will presuppose this, but, like, on a, on a hip-hop bill, it's everybody versus everybody. Yeah, and it's... Funny, you're cause... not going to see, like, rapper A, B, C, D, <laughs> and E. You're going to see which one of these guys can actually, like... Kill the rest of them live yeah, on stage. Yeah, which is really weird. Whereas, I like on a rock so show, cool. you're like, oh, who's the opener? Like yeah. that would be cool to see. They're really
1: cool. Yeah. Oh, they're a three piece band or they're like a five piece band. Like yeah. that's really cool. You're like, always like,
0: looking. You're like holding hands, oh, dancing like, around so in the field weird. together. I always like, thought that was really weird. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. In a hip hop scene, in a, a hip hop scene, mm-hmm.
1: scene, like, and it's if you listen to the lyrics, I know it's difficult, especially when you go live. But I bet you, if there's five artists performing a hip hop venue. All five artists will say that they're the best, or in, in their lyrics will say that they're the greatest in some way. Oh, I'm yeah. the best at this! Look, none of them are the best at anything. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah none yeah. of them, because you know what? They're all playing at the same shitty venue that I played for five bucks a piece. So like, um, we're not. None of us are. We're all still at the same level. And um, yeah, uh, I I don't I don't see why it would be so hard to adapt to the like rock mentality. Like I love the first show we played. I think it was. Oh yeah, it was at the Painted Lady, and we um we got like fans already and i was like fuck i remember the first time i played a hip-hop show i got hated on because i was wearing like a a dress shirt or something like yo you look like a preppy like no yeah. respect yeah. just yeah, yeah, straight yeah. just downplayed backhanded compliments and stuff like that where um where i was like i was already starting to see in the first few shows i was like this crowd is kind of jaded and i started become jaded towards them and that's what leaned me towards um playing acoustic or uh, actually let me yeah i started playing acoustic by myself first i was playing with a friend of mine named courtney lynn courtney lynn music on youtube you should check her out and she was on on, on itunes and she pulled me aside she saw that i was starting to play guitar and sing songs and stuff and she's like come play the central with me it's a really cool venue we'll do some open mics and then i was digging the scene people they showed so much more love and i even rapped for them someone was beatboxing and i I remember that and people that, start rapping yeah, for me, and I start talking. rapping for people. And then they showed equal appreciation than I did for my acoustic music. And mm-hmm. I was like, wait the fucking second. I can rap for a hip-hop crowd, and they'll hate me, but I'll rap for a rock crowd, and they'll love me. Yeah. You know what? Fuck the hip-hop crowd, then, because it seems like this, uh, this rock crowd is very open to just musicians, not mm-hmm. this very segregated thing. But I'm not saying all hip-hop heads are. I, I might be, but um, not all hip-hop heads are, like, uh, close-minded. Yeah, so okay, so then one of the one
0: of the themes that I'm that I'm really picking up on as I've been interviewing people as I've started this is there's always a sense of whatever I end up talking to them about that there's always a sense of transition, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously we've just talked about your transition from hip hop into into rock. You haven't fully left either behind because you are um, still making beads and you're still, yeah. you know, you're yeah. still, you're still you. What do you think that you used to have when you were just producing that you don't have
1: anymore? Do you think you've lost a part of yourself in that transition? Uh, the only thing I'll, I can honestly think is that I'm not like a teenager anymore. I'm really? Older. I'm, I'm older so, now. I don't, have so as that, much time. I don't have as much time. Wow, so that's so interesting to
0: me because that, that means that, like, that change in style has come with a, with a literal maturity. I, mean, I Like, can't... I
1: don't have as much time to just sit in my room and fucking make beats. I'm sorry, right. I don't have that time. I right. gotta sleep, I gotta work in the morning, mm-hmm. you know. There's things to do, there's life. Life gets real, and it sucks because... It, um, I had this conversation earlier today that musicians now have a lot less freedom because uh, maybe Patrick talked about this, but you have to have a job. You can't just be a musician. You have yeah. to have a job still.
0: So, yeah, you know that's
1: something that I wanted to talk to him about. We didn't actually touch on that. Oh damn.
0: It. Uh, so that's that's so interesting to me because that's not something uh, as somebody who isn't a musician. Uh, there's nothing uh, that those two things don't connect for me that you would actually use your literal growing up as a as a base as a baseline as a launch pad to be like okay I still need a creative outlet I'm disenfranchised by some of these aspects of the hip hop scene mm-hmm. and not only that but completely internally the way that I absorb the hip hop scene as well in terms of how I how I contribute to it I don't have that in my life like I can't I can't I can't Associated. live up to my own and the cool thing yeah. is I mean again I'm, I'm a huge fan of of your work and so when you looked at what you were doing and the quality assurance that you were doing in your own beats (laughs) that's so interesting to me that you were like yo my life is just too crazy that i can't i gotta just if i'm still gonna do a creative outlet i'll do it some other way yeah but i can't do it the way that i'm doing it yeah you know
1: what honestly it was it was a lot easier to, like, hey, Sam, like, my drummer, it's, like, it's so much easier to turn to him and say, hey, man, can you play the drums for the next right, five minutes yeah, than for me to, like, program, drums, program yeah. or, like, to tap on the the BP, uh, the BP drum machine to, like, set something up and then, like, layer it and, like, cut bars. Oh, my God, that's yeah. a whole thing in itself, you know, and for any people out there that know what it's like, it's... It's not easy. It sounds easy. And like, you know, over time, it can be easy, but it's still like another 10, 15 minutes where you could just be like, you know what? I just wanted to play a riff and now I have to like sit here and program drums. Right. <laughs> um, so do you think that either being
0: in a band or songwriting or being up on stage, would you say that that's more of a form of? of acting or more of a form of identity reflection do you think that you're more yourself in the whole musical process or do you think that it's,
1: it's therapeutic for sure yeah yeah oh my god yeah um it, it's almost like i turn a part of my brain off mm-hmm. and um you know, like lyrically if i'm writing lyrics then yes it's, it's very self-reflective and, and analyzing my life and being very introspective on like how do i how did i um digest all that information that i took today or how did i do with that relationship i have with this girl or my friends mm-hmm. and i can talk about that and i don't have to say like my friends suck i could say right stormy clouds on a great day yeah. or so, yeah, like yeah, you know you can yeah, make yeah, it, make yeah, it yeah. seem really artistic um so yeah it's very therapeutic in that way or just singing like you know um playing guitar and playing, like, a Jack White song, like, playing uh, Same Boy You've Always Known, yeah. it's, like, it resonates with me, um, like, playing those songs or hearing those songs, hearing those chords, because I may have not written those words or written those chords, but I feel them. Right. I might feel them more than I even feel my own music sometimes. A lot of people hear my beats, and you yourself even ask me, it's like, how come you haven't rapped on that song yet? Do you even fucking, uh, yeah. Really, right. maybe for and it's like, no, that was it. That's, that's, that's all, what yeah, you get that's from a, me, man. Yeah, i already express myself. That's all you get. So it is my expression post. That's what I do. Like, it's if I feel a certain way, if a song sounds, uh, sad, like if you hear, um, the Identities podcast, you're like, ooh, it's really ominous or glooming or, well, that's how I was feeling at the time. And, um, Uh, and again, the reason why I got away from hip hop is that I felt some of the music is, it's only on one spectrum Mm -hmm. and I can still do that spectrum. It's like looking at the color palette, the color spectrum and only coloring in red and orange, you know, but you have all this, all these colors to use. So I was like, let me learn how to use all these colors instead of just these two or three colors that I could use.
0: So only because I was just thinking about this now, only because you, you've actually brought it up a couple times in one way or another. Um, and because this big musical transition happened
1: essentially with age and maturity how old do you f- do you feel uh i feel absolutely young like i forget that i did so much crap if you would say when i was uh between high school to like my mid 20s i still feel like i'm 22 to 23 sometimes and i know that i'm 29 in my head it's <laughs> really weird cuz like i forget that that all happened like i was performing i was i was even I don't even know if this is legal but I was in the clubs and stuff with uh, some of my older cousins before I was even of age to be in clubs learning how to DJ and helping them right. carry crates I was six, 16, 17 the first time I met DJ Started From Scratch at mm-hmm. uh, Riley's which is on uh, Young and Dundas Square a fucking amazing pub amazing bar um, it's upstairs right above the Foot Locker every Wednesday had a, a hip hop thing 350 Heineken's we played hip hop all night bunch of DJs P Plus Started From Scratch my cousin was DJing it was crazy and I was like immersed in that culture. Where are we going with this? Well,
0: no, I just wanted to know how old you felt
1: because... It, <laughs> oh, yeah, the... so all that stuff happens at such a young early age. Right. That's what I was, Yeah, so, so all that stuff had so- happened at such a young, young age that I look back at it, and it seems very long ago, and then I'm like, wait a second, then how old actually am I? Because <laughs> it makes me forget. Like, it's... I'm kind of old, older than I thought I was. I
0: think that it's really interesting um, in pretty much all of the of the i don't know how to describe it other than just to call them dream jobs that like if you are an actor or you're a musician mm-hmm. or you're an athlete or you're i guess those are maybe the top three like we don't need to go through the whole list yeah all of those things whether you become wildly successful or not actually all of those things start from a super super young age right yeah definitely right so like yeah so like but but if you're a doctor those things don't start from a super young age if you're you know? like in college or if in high school you're some, you're yeah if your you're some next person working in an office doing anything even if you're a high-powered business executive if you're doing if you're doing any of the kind of normal jobs that people do you're saying you may have fallen
1: ass backwards into this job
0: right you could have you very easily could have and it doesn't <laughs> yeah. mean that you're not good at it yeah no just, no i'm not saying you're not it's, just, good so, at it's like, just so it's just so interesting that like all of the things that maybe people aspire to be either realistically or just as a dream they really actually all have a very strong uh, commonality between, to be something that was embraced at a very very young age and whether that's something that you that you believe because of the whole 10,000 hours thing where it's like well you it's easier to get 10,000 hours in if you've done it since you were eight I was you five know. when I started playing piano. Obviously. You know what I mean, but like, <laughs> but that's the thing, right? You're you're five. You started playing piano. Tiger Woods is golfing as a baby on yeah. TV. You know, like all the soccer players, they get they get accepted into academies when they're like when nine they're like old. nine years old. Yeah. Like they literally clubs spend millions of dollars to like export Green children from Green. Africa yeah. and their families to their academies in like Spain and stuff. To just because they have a little bit of soccer skill and they're like yo if we can call if we can cultivate and milk this, it and milk it, and, milk it works, and we'll yeah. give you full education we'll give your parents jobs we'll do whatever sometimes they break laws for that type of stuff mm-hmm. you think about in Canada if you want a more North American kind of experience like it's I always thought it was insane when we were in high school that like the hockey player guys if they weren't like Amazing and like they were getting sniffed around to being drafted by the time they were like 15 yeah, years old. Yeah, I remember some kids. Their in careers our high are like their careers are over and yeah. they know it. Like the kids are going. Uh, you
1: know like these the scouts came and and i had a really yeah. bad game and, dude we went to the same high school and there and was like, guys in my grade yeah. and they were like if they didn't get if they didn't get scouted when they were 16 it was like almost dead meat they're like oh i gotta find a new job new career like dude you're 60 and years that, old and that's <laughs> like, and that's so crap. crazy <laughs> kind of to like to tie it back into like what we originally
0: yeah. were talking about but like that's so crazy because like i said whether you're successful or not for better or for worse that commonality actually does come in the youth because I know you've told me before. I mean, obviously, we're friends and we've talked about these type of things before, but, like, you've told me the story about carrying crates and, and, you know, being in the clubs yeah. when, it was, when you weren't supposed to be because you were a teenager, but you were a, a small, young, young teenager, right? learning the craft. But yeah. all those guys, I mean, I obviously, we all know people that do that type of stuff and it's like... Every actor that I've ever met has been acting since, like, they were doing commercials as kids, like, eating McCain fries. Every other DJ that I know has been doing the in the crates, you know, doing all of those kind of paying their dues. But they're not just paying their dues today, you know, as a 25, 26, 27, they 29. They're doing it as a kid. Yeah. And that is so interesting in terms of identity because it's like, when you're a kid, y- you are sucking it all in like Impression, a sponge. You're right? very you're impressionable. So impressionable. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I' couldn't think of the word impressionable there. Uh, but like yeah, you're so impressionable that it, it, for better or for worse, it can just really make you a, you a protege, it can make you a superstar or it can not, but you you know that that's in you. See, I guess I know? guess
1: I guess because I, I was um, at such a young age in the hip hop scene that when I became into my 20s and performing in the hip hop scene, my expectations of what hip hop should be was different. And maybe that's why I became jaded towards the scene when I was in it, because when I was first starting out in the hip hop scene, there was crates and there was turned tables and mm-hmm. DJs had to know their set lists and know where their crates were and know what tracks they're going to play. And then when I became of age to be in clubs and perform for real and really hone my craft, it was Serato. It was all. Yeah, right. It was so digital and it was so simple in a way. Um, it's not that easy. It's easy if you know the whole process, but it's so much different than it was back in the day, man. Like the, the scene was different. I felt that there was more. It's gonna it's gonna seem like a backhanded compliment, but there was a lot more um, talent before. It was a lot right. more preparation involved in terms of how to prepare for a show as a DJ and as a MC because you work with your DJ, mm-hmm. and uh, I. I remember playing those shows, even though he was he was just a resident DJ, I remember trying to work with him as much as possible, like, get him in my show, because I was from that old-school mentality where it was MC and DJ as a thing. He wasn't even my friend. I was like, yo, bro, can you scratch in the middle of the chorus yeah, or right, something? right, 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 and right. And you saw that, yeah, I did Crossroads, and I was like, bro, can you do uh, the scratching in the middle of the song? Because there's just a whole culture difference, right, where now it's like... Um, I, I know why they got away from the sample-heavy shit, because um, it, it costs money. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. whatever. But um, I think here's my cue to the up-and-coming producers. Get away from the 808-909 drums. That's all I can say. And sample some drums. It's not hard. It's, it's just time-consuming. <laughs> um, so we've, we've
0: touched on this a lot in terms of your whole upbringing, but I haven't asked you this yet. Yeah. What... Is there a piece of art that you you hold so close to you that it's basically become a part of your identity from either of those worlds that we've been kind of riffing on for the last little while? Art? Yeah, anything, any music, any movie, any anything, anything you've read, anything that you have that, even though you had nothing to do with it, it is your, it is a part of who you are.
1: There's a there's a handful of things. Yeah. That I can that I can reference that I will always try to uh, mold my music around. Mm-hmm. Um, in hip hop, it would probably be like Operation Doomsday, Mad Villain, or M Food, or even even those anything MF Doom's really done, just because of its raw, sample-heavy stuff. Like it's, it just doesn't sound like anything you hear from the mainstream music. That's right? so
0: true. And I'm gonna drive this train right off the rails because right. you brought up MF Doom. And Mad- <laughs> but like, unfortunately, like, sorry, this isn't that's about okay. you. And that's like, okay. whatever, if you're it's listening, doom, and you're man. like, I don't know, right? Doom. But that's the point. So, hold on a second, because Doom is so interesting compared to literally any other. Because he's on the furthest edge of the boundaries, is right. what I'd say. Right. But, like, so we're talking, this podcast is called the Identities Podcast. Mm-hmm. There's a rapper who's worn a mask and actively hides who he is. To and the has point... even
1: shown up to some of his shows I to get someone else say, to show. That's what up. I was say.
0: <laughs> to the point of he literally, it's been challenged whether the guy who's performing at what is called and paid for as a Doom concert is not even this yeah, guy. Yeah, it's not
1: even him, yeah. So, what? like what? <laughs> yeah. explain
0: to yeah. me you, you're, you're gonna pull doom out and say that that's the piece of art that holds it so close to you give me
1: some give me what because, your, your, because, your conspiracy theory is on that because, because i feel like i could put the doom mask on and be doom because right. when you when you really listen to a doom record uh mad villain or uh food you must become the villain like listen to Ho cakes and be like yeah like i love like i'm almost him like i am the mad villain i am right. doom right so when you start reciting the lyrics and listening, vomit spit but on mm, food, you start becoming him more and more. That what's the difference between you feeling these? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's like reading a comic book to a child, or it's like he's a villain. He's not a real. It's Daniel Dumoulin is not MF Doom. Well, he is. He's the, he created MF Doom, but mm-hmm. it's not MF Doom. Just like Chris Cardenas is not really Eternal. Eternal is like the character I per- Form and persona that, that, it's like, yes, like also when you a watch...
0: great time in the middle of the podcast to, to point out what Chris's, uh, stage alter, is staging yeah, is yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, but just like if you watch um, pro wrestling or like WWE the Chris Jericho or the John Cena's you see on the TV screen are not the real John Cena's you see mm-hmm. it's the same thing when I listen to music like MF Doom is just this volume cranked up persona mm-hmm. that I love to hear um, the other in the other spectrum I was about to go to is Rage Against the Machine is, like, another band that I like to listen to, I like, to craft my music around because, oh, anti-establishment and, um, really speaking your mind, but uh, do you think Zach De la Roche is always trying to burn down buildings?
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, he's not. He's definitely not. just He's just, right. he's just yeah.
1: pers- like, per- uh, portraying a character or a persona. Um, he might really feel this way, and I might yeah, really yeah, yeah. feel that way as well, but it's mm-hmm. not like we're trying to, like, like destroy, really destroy the establishment. Um, yeah. Yeah. So- well, I mean, that's why I asked you, not this question, but a little while back,
0: like about when you, when you are performing and when you're, when you're writing music, like do you think it's more of just your therapeutic self coming through or do you think that it's an act? So it's interesting to me oh, that like, wow. yeah, the, you're right, the you're right, doom, though. doom resonating with you to be like, we can all guess, be doom. Yeah, yeah. You know, do you like, do you think that that's what he wants? I'm, I am know I'm asking oh, you to speak on behalf, yeah, behalf of another I artist, but, but it's doom? fine. Cause it's like, it's, it's, I mean, in terms of you, like,
1: I, I don't you, think, no, because if you actually listen to a doom record, he always says he. True, true very true. He always I'm, talks in the third person. Yeah, you're right. I've never he really says thought about I.
0: That. Yeah, there's a lot of uh him speaking in third person. He I'm says thinking he. of some Yeah. So and when he was, says Doom, like he references He references himself. the guy, oh, yeah. Doom.
1: Again, so it's not Daniel Dumoulin speaking as Doom, it's he's talking about Doom. Mm-hmm. Um so in that aspect I would say it's like reading a comic book, or it's like reading a story. You're not the person. It's like when you read Harry Potter, you almost like you are in Harry Potter's shoes the whole series right am i mm-hmm. wrong like you feel like you're harry potter the whole book yeah like yeah, you're yeah with him every step of the way yeah just same way when you listen to an mf doom record or um a region machine record region's machine record you're with them the whole way You're with them you're feeling them as long as you can create the whole aesthetic the whole emotion around the album there's some albums you listen to and you're like great that's uh rune five i don't know it sounds like them or not to crap on them, but just picking a band on the top of my head. (laughs) But um, it just, it doesn't sound like they created a whole atmosphere where I feel when I'm listening to MF Doom or if I'm listening to uh, my other favorite record, John Frusciante's Empyrean, it feels like they put me in a place. Like they, Mm -hmm. so yes, when I'm talking, it is therapeutic when I'm making songs, but I'm also, if I'm at the end of it, when I'm writing the song, it's therapeutic. When I'm making, completing the song, I'm also trying to make the song, um, listenable and uh what's the word i'm looking for draw you in to basically draw you into the song and bring you into our world or my world if i'm making it with a band uh because we're trying to create this whole thing like i'm pretty sure doom is trying to make a comic book in audio form Mm -hmm. that's how i see it like it you listen to all caps on the mad villain record and you can watch the video on youtube it's it, it sounds and it feels like you're watching and listening to a comic book the characters involved and um the the fun and it sounds fun but if there's a villain involved and I don't know so we've definitely touched on a lot of musical uh,
0: based questions
1: yeah we can keep coming we can go back
0: to that later if you want
1: well no I I just <laughs> I
0: just feel like
1: like there's a lot of things going
0: on and I maybe I won't completely
1: leave I think it. I guess I think as I have such a long music history that it's like if we started when you were younger then we'd right well yeah there. so that so that actually that's what I was gonna say I'm not gonna completely leave it yet but I just want to know
0: we referenced already that you started all of this at a very young age very young age. right yeah when you were a kid or when you were younger maybe not necessarily a kid kid mm-hmm. but is there something that sticks out in your head as a memory that was like yeah i gotta keep i gotta i gotta i gotta subscribe to this i have this is now my i am yeah.
1: i am it was it was the same group people i just talked about i was probably uh I hope they listen to this because then they'll get a what? shout out. That's well, up do, to you, a bro. Shout out to my cousin uh, Jeff Ubalde and uh, Marlo McSala, uh, aka Fat Cat 7, uh, DJ Prime Choice. But I was a kid. I was literally a kid. I was playing piano for a couple years. I think I was like maybe seven or eight. They're exactly ten years, nine, ten years older than me. And they were just getting into DJing and B-boying. And they had a lot of friends who were DJs and B-boys. I was literally a kid and just seeing these guys freestyle for the first time in a basement and mm-hmm. like my cousins scratching turntables and making beats out of two, two records. Remember like there are two records yeah, that yeah. aren't instrumental records, but they're making beats out of it. And these guys are freestyling and there's other guys break dancing that whole vision. And it's going to be weird for a lot of kids of these millennials who have never seen this before, but growing up in that whole culture of real hip hop were the guys who, who knew the graffiti, who knew to break dance, who knew the DJ, who knew to rap. Um, you see it all and you're, I was like, wow, there's so many elements involved in this culture of hip hop is why I can never leave it. As much yeah. as like, I feel um, I feel betrayed and jaded towards it at times, it, it'll never leave me. It's always in my heart and my soul. It's always how I write. Like if you look at my notebook, it looks like I'm still writing 16 bar tracks <laughs> all the time, even though I'm probably trying to write a rock song. Hey, it looks like 16 bars or, um, my, you know, I go to a club and my dance moves still look like B-Boy moves. Right? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I like I'm I mean we, can, someone. we can
0: reference people over to the, today in B-Boy culture, uh, a little later, but so let me, this is something that I want to ask you about. In fact, I completely forgot. So thank you for being yourself and bringing it up yourself. Tell me about the notebook. Because, oh, the notebook, yeah, yeah. The oh, no, not, not the Ryan Gosling
1: uh, Oh, if you're movie. trying to dig into some secrets, but oh, also, I watch that every night. Also, tell tell me about <laughs> Rachel McAdams. Um, yeah. so Who walked by my store recently when I was working downtown. That's right, you told me that. Yeah, yeah she was gorgeous. around. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, we could talk about the film in The Notebook. Uh, no, but tell me about The Notebook, because obviously in my e- exhaustive pre-production yeah. that I do for the show... Um, I have to come up with the people that I want to talk to and you are one of these people. And one of the things that I immediately thought of with you and have known, for, uh, I've known you for a very long time. What has it been? Probably almost a decade. Like, I'd more say. than a decade, actually.
1: Oh, no, it can't be more than a decade. When did I start working at HMV? 2006. Yeah, so it's a decade Man, now. It's a decade. Yeah, Let's well, it's, see, I mean, suck at math.
0: Anyways, okay. I, hey, <laughs> for more on how people could suck at math, listen to the see, with Barry. B- Yeah, I know with Carrie and I talk about. Well, I <laughs> talked about math. She didn't really, I was using it as an example. But, anyways, <laughs> tell me about the notebook in the sense of when I met you. You were the man with the notebook and the headphones. I
1: still have a notebook and. No, headphones. I, I know you do. Yeah.
0: But we have to we have to start it from the beginning here. Oh man. Now um, now no, no, hold on. Okay.
1: Let Ask this guy question. stop. Let question. this guy
0: talk for God's sakes, because I you're, haven't done enough of host. that. Yeah. No no no, but but so what I'm saying is, when I met you, you were the guy with the notebook and the headphones, and you were also the guy that was writing a lot of lyrics for mm-hmm. your songs and yep. and when i find when we finally became good enough friends we came over to your house you showed <laughs> me some of your beats and, yeah. and it all made sense because a lot of the stuff written in the notebook was translated then, produced, just, into a songbook, right, then yeah. produced into a song right then produced into a song what does that do for you you just to, in my opinion in my impression you got the notebook and you're writing down stuff it can be lyrics it can be what you see it can be what you
1: do how does that it's w- like a, it's like a Mitch Hedberg joke though isn't it it's like my whole job is to think, some, think of something that's funny or creative. And it, make sure it, I have it, a pen or whatever he yeah, says. The, yeah. if, if the pen is too far, then I have to convince myself that what I thought of ain't that funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I guess as an artist, you're growing up. Um, and again, the first time I saw people freestyle was probably like pff, six or seven. Mm-hmm. And I was watching them talk about things that are around them, like their surroundings. Oh, the microphone and the yeah. keyboard. I was like, God damn, they're talking about real things. It's crazy. Uh, how do they do that? Uh, so then it became like, um, I didn't really get into writing until I was about 13 or 14. But then I was like, okay, first you got to learn how to rhyme. So like, Hey, and a and Bay and say, What what are these words that can rhyme? So you got to really practice. what, what can rhyme? And then you get to destruction, construction, obstruction, uh, and then you get to bigger words. Yeah. Okay, so the first few years of probably practice, and then I met Clay when I was about twenty, and I was starting to write sentences, <laughs> very good. <We're> glad they- <laughs> like a like a real like a real human being. But it, yeah, it became a, a, a mode of expressing or um, reflecting on my my daily life or seeing things in a way very Seinfeld. Um, what, uh, what what's his form of comedy called? Um, Observational. Observation. Yeah. So I tried to be. I tried to write observationally uh, about the things I see or lived and experienced. And, or like Jack White, maybe I didn't experience it, but you, if vi- you see it happens, mm-hmm. so you try to write as truthful as possible, or you try to tell these stories or say things that are as close to the truth as possible. Maybe it didn't happen to you, but you've seen it happen to your friends or people mm-hmm. around you. So a lot of the similes or the references I use, maybe it didn't happen to me. Like I talk about, uh, teenage pregnancies and, um, um like working multiple jobs and stuff like that that that's not my life but it is the life of the people that lived around me a lot of my friends did have um kids when they were teenagers or when they were too young to even realize how the consequences of what it is Mm -hmm. so yeah i talked about it because it's around me oh crap dropping things um it it's a real thing that about life and it was very difficult for me to talk about like oh i got chains i got money and we, we go in, we go to the club, popping bottles. Like, why am I going to talk about that? Like, right. if I were to really do that, I probably wouldn't have enough money to record this podcast yeah. and everything. Cause like, how am I going to record the, or how am I going to afford the equipment to record my, uh, material? Like it was stupid. Like I'm not going to live that lifestyle and, uh, nor should I, why would I? So, okay. So that's interesting. Cause now we can, this is easy
0: to kind of like fast forward to now, hmm. um, that's really interesting that you're talking about, okay, you're writing it down, you're you're, you're sourcing your content, it's, it's it's putting you into the mindset to know that you have some things you want to talk about, and whether it be structurally speaking, or just topically speaking, observationally speaking, um, you want to make sure that you have it ready for you, because if you can't, then, like you said, the Mitch Hedberg joke, then it's not there, yeah. and then you got to just convince you yourself really, it yeah, wasn't you that good of an it, idea. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, so, perfect, exactly. What do you think your relationship is with the concept of your identity, because... You've been doing this for a long time, yeah. and you've also, like you said, because you can't be the guy that's talking about
1: popping bottles all the time, well, you've yeah, also been working other jobs to keep yourself afloat. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I'll get into the actual name. Like, my name is Eternal. Mm-hmm. Um, forever. Uh, I stole the name from one of my favorite albums uh, by Bone thugs and harmony East, 1999 Eternal. Um, track three, Eternal, is one of my favorite songs. The number three is my favorite number. Um, so there's a whole thing into the into that um, where I got the name, but as I grew up, eternal is uh, as much as it is a name. It's a lifestyle mm-hmm. for any artist. I'm talking like if you're a painter, if you're a uh, musician, if you perform on stage, you're an actor, actress. Um, when you perform and you create your you finish your art piece, I even posted a comic. I if you can find that thing on my Facebook feed and tell me who the artist was, um, he drew this picture of different things but eternal means to live forever like your grant snyder your art will live forever it will live eternally because you finished it like uh, my songs are now on the internet or on physical copy and it'll live forever in the, the history of time or history of God or however you want to look at it and the same thing with any artist who paints a picture or performs on stage it's like you set yourself in time like you can look back mm-hmm. if you die and like if you go to your perceived heavens and you look back at time and it's like you were there in 2006 you did this in 2008 you did that like I we definitely did all those things so you're forever known in the history of earth mm-hmm. that makes you eternal so the name eternal it's that's where it stems from I really agree with you in the sense that... Um, I mean, I think
0: a lot of people would agree with you. But, you know, one of the reasons why I started doing this podcast is because I knew that there were a lot of people that were in my life right now that hopefully will be in my life for a very long time to come. Mm-hmm. But either way, um, everything changes. People change. Whether it be big changes, small changes, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Everything changes. And not necessarily in an artistic sense. I'm not gonna go that far and say that it's artistic, but what I am gonna say is for me and for you and for literally every other person that I have on this show, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten, fifteen, twenty years later, if the internet doesn't explode and or if I still keep these files tucked away somewhere, any one of us, like I, I said, you or this. me can look back on it and be like, Right. Yeah. How stupid was I that I believed that? Or how true is it that I continued to feel this way? Maybe the circumstances in which I expressed myself or in which I had to live through changed because I got sick or I changed jobs or I completely got up and moved or I did whatever the hell I did. Mm-hmm. But 2016. You this started is, the Identities yeah. podcast. No, 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 not yeah. me. I'm not saying me. I'm just saying like these people. Like these people, it's From 2016. Like, yeah this is this is what I'm as accurately as I could as I'm kicking it from my head drinking some delicious left filled marshmallow stout yeah, sweet uh, Jesus um, as accurately as as accurately and as honestly as I can, this is what this is how I felt and yeah. and that's something that I think you know maybe people struggle with without something that can, record it and i well, don't like, mean without my an, podcast like, but I mean, an like, outlet yeah without an outlet i think yeah. everybody everybody can struggle with it not a struggle that's going to necessarily ruin them psychologically yeah. but a struggle where it's like oh, what you know yeah. who am i what am i what
1: what have i done and, and and don't get it don't like don't get it down don't let get yourself down if it does uh mess you up uh mentally or emotionally because don't get me wrong i was in that moment when i was transitioning from a hip hop artist to a rock band oh my god like Mm -hmm. my mind was in so many places and Clay was Clay was there to witness it I didn't know what the hell was going on I didn't know how to handle um, being successful Mm -hmm. Um, Clay was there for most of my shows and I played the Hard Rock Cafe and I played to like almost 350 350 people or something like that and I had no idea how to handle it I was like I've never seen success at this Mm -hmm. magnitude that it was like okay I, I wanted to be this far I wanted to get this far but I, I wasn't sure if I was really ready mm-hmm. like I don't know it was, it was a really weird moment in my life when I was like getting better mm-hmm. at expressing myself because um, I didn't realize that I was actually getting better I didn't know that I didn't know that when I was at my lowest point I was actually getting better as a musician because I was able to express it and I was able to um, show that emotion on stage. I didn't know that pe- that's what people were seeing. Did you know that? Do you know people know that? I don't know. Is it is it weird that like I was getting I was writing more emotional stuff. I was playing more aggressively, but I was more mentally messed up in my head. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about that a
0: little bit then like I know I mean, I don't know if you want me to review this But like but like the anymore. the night of of what you would say would be your most successful show, you then had to, I had as a soon as it down. was done, I had you had a breakdown down. and yeah. you were like, I need to go. You wandered the streets for a long time yeah. and just kind of had to completely do the opposite of what had just been happening with all these yeah. people around you and like, just be silent and in your own. Yeah. Your own. I didn't know and, how to handle it. Right. Yeah. So w- w- why, what were
1: you thinking? What were you doing? I was afraid that this is as good as it got. This Right. Is it. That's it. Like it was, it happened so fast. Like I remember before the show. And, like, being nervous and anxious and just, you know, I was, I'm never really nervous before a show. It's more like, I, again, I say it's more anxiety. Like, mm-hmm. I can't wait to perform this material because I've been working on it my, my entire life almost. Like, it feels like I've been building to this moment. Mm-hmm. And then you look up and there's 300 plus people out there and you're like, cool, awesome. And they're cheering for you. And it was it was a good moment. Don't get me wrong. It was a great moment. But at the same time, like, does it get better than this? Yeah. Or is this it? Is this the moment? Is mm-hmm. this the moment? Do you hold on to this moment right now? And then that's it. Do You let it go. And just forget. And you, you could just, I don't know, not, I don't want to say you can die, but I'm saying you could just like give up after this point. Like, I felt like I could just like, that was it, man. I don't know what else I could do. That was pretty good. Uh, how, how could I top that? That was, that was really hard to top, man. Do you still feel like that is the order in which
0: that? A life or your life, particularly, uh, is gonna go. Like, is that is that still what's so important to you in no. terms of topping? No, that or no. not topping it, whatever, whatever, which way you want. No, look at it? I've gone
1: through enough counseling where it's not it's not my focus anymore. Um, very John for Shante, just like just make your art, just make it. Um, like the crowds, the crowds, selling to that crowd in particular was was easy. It was a destination show. And then Mm -hmm. i found out that you know you go over time you're like maybe they don't really like the music they just like the idea (laughs) idea coming to the hard rock cafe (laughs) maybe that's what it was right you know because we played it like four times and then like the numbers diminished as you go and you're like okay maybe it wasn't you maybe it was the venue i don't know um and then i again i had to take another step back and then disassociate myself as a musician Mm -hmm. and then say you know what chris we started with just expressing yourself Mm -hmm. And it wasn't matter of the venue. Like, you saw me in a warehouse, and then you saw me at the Hard Rock Cafe. Like, two vastly different venues. So it should just be the fact that I'm willing to perform. I think that's... I had to get back, and I had to, like, break it down and come back to the substance of what the music really was and not um, the monetary value or the emotional value of how good it could feel. Because it, it feels amazing to be up there in front of a bunch of people.
0: And so, okay, it's to kind of to kind of tie it all together, that's, so, that's like, a really interesting way to think about it do you think that that translates easily into your life period you know like not just when you're literally on stage
1: yeah um because i try to find um well i've always tried to find the most human moments in life like um you know you work whatever job you work in it could just be like would you like fries with that or whatever Mm -hmm. question you always have to ask or when do you want this handed in sir um or you could Really put yourself into it. Like you could just type up that report, or you—I don't know. Um, I don't know. My job isn't really define me. I—I I try to say my job doesn't really define me as a person. It might might people people might see me at my job and think I'm a great person, but the, the job doesn't define the person that I am. Right. So I—I uh, don't know. I don't really take like the musician side of Chris into the job. I think, but it's still the concept though of like.
0: Don't just do what you're doing
1: you do it to the best you can yeah Yeah, like don't don't just do it
0: for the sake of doing it yeah and don't get don't get too wrapped around the concept of the end means the the end end means more wrapped up in the concept of making sure that whatever it is you've committed to whether it be short term or long term yeah it's like it's like life right like could you can you what do it needs what, to do for you
1: yeah would you worry about going to heaven or are you going to worry about right. the life you're living yeah yeah just that's actually great that's a great way to just, kind just of extrapolate it into, yeah.
0: into that sort of sense where it's yeah. like sure even if you're doing a job or anything in your life that you you don't necessarily is a true reflection of who you are you still need to be at peace with the concept of i'm doing this even if I know there's a there's a means, there's an end to these means, rather, I'm doing it for that, and I won't lose sight of either letting something make me really angry about what I'm doing, yeah. or letting myself get too lost into what I'm doing that would stop me from being who I really
1: am. Yeah, that could be a whole podcast in itself, Chris, Chris's view on uh, the monetary value. Right. I mean, <laughs> uh, seriously.
0: Uh, but... I, I think that that's a really that's a really strong kind of g- closing argument is like there is there's always that delicate balance and maybe when you when you start to express yourself artistically that a delicate balance uh, it remains just as delicate but it's exposed on hyperdrive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um Chris, thank you so much for for coming through and, and just talking to me about everything that is yeah. you. Um, and thank you for doing the music as for well. For sure.
1: I, w- I wish we could talk more um i don't even know how long we've been here we were pushing an hour my friend wow it's a quick yeah. hour yeah i know quick it's hour. quick man We'll come back don't worry we'll come back we'll, we'll do a we'll whole do, we'll do the we'll do a whole
0: take two of all of these yeah. things next everybody... time next
1: time i'll ask all the questions and clay will answer them how about that yeah i don't know about that we'll see how that goes uh thank <laughs> you everybody for
0: listening to another episode of the identities podcast as always please subscribe please rate please follow the twitter account at identities pod there are no Facebook, so don't follow the Facebook because there's not a Facebook. But hit us up on Gmail. Hit me up on Gmail and with your best guesses. Of the sample. Of the sample. The first one that gets it gets a left field. High five. Uh, they get just get a high five because I can't promise that they're going to even have this beer anymore. I might drink them all. Uh, Chris also might drink them all because really, hey, everybody's beer. Uh, thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the editing Podcast.
1: Peace.